Hey, uh, so it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Springtime spring is, is upon us, as I've said a million times. Can you tell I love being outside? I love, I love the opportunity. Dave Jackson has already asked me if I want to come over and fish in his pond, although it is three times the size it normally is right now. I don't think I'm going to do that anytime soon, but, but I love the opportunity to be outside, and, and, and I would encourage you to do the same if you can too, because even though we can't see each other, <laughs> Joe Hudson and my wife are screaming at each other from 200 yards away going, we're keeping the six-foot rule, but I can see you, right? And that's, that's, that's important for us to remember that we are a family and that Part of relationship is that need to see one another, to be connected with one another. I think even the introverts among us, in a time like this, when they don't, we go literally days without seeing anybody else other than the people that you live with, and you meet somebody you see, and you just want to go, ah, and run over and say hi and start talking, and, and that's because at the end of the day, we are made for relationships. We are made for our relationship with the Lord. And we are made to be in relationship with one another. And I harp on that. I've been harping on that the last several weeks because we are separated, I would imagine. But again, I would encourage you to take opportunities to call one another, to lean in to any chance or any opportunity you can find to be there for one another, to be family to each other in this difficult time. It is a time that feels like it's filled with unknowns. It changes by the minute. And I think it's appropriate that we are getting into a story as we begin Holy Week, as we begin with Jesus' triumphant entry. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21 if you want to start flipping pages to get there. But that is a very uncertain time for everybody involved in Jesus' family. He's, he's taking them back to Jerusalem to this, to this place where the, that they know they know that the people who are in charge in Jerusalem have it out for Jesus, that they would end his life just as soon as look at him. And the plea of the disciples is, don't do that. You don't need to do that. And he says, I do. It's my time. I need to go. And we're going to pick up on this time when he's, he's coming into town where he is, it's, it's, they call it Palm Sunday, as you, and you'll find out why in a minute, because people are, are laying palms on the ground waiting for him, creating kind of this, this carpet for him as he enters. The disciples don't know what's going on. Jesus does, but really nobody else does. They're not sure how this is going to turn out or what this is going to mean or what this is going to do, and it's interesting to me that that is the time we are in here and right now. We don't feel like we always know where things are going to go or what's going to happen. But in the midst of it, God does. God is aware. God has a plan. And though his plan may seem odd to us at times because we're not privy to everything that's going on, his plan is holy, it is righteous, and it is perfect. And his son, the sacrifice that he will make at the end of this holy week, is proof that no matter what we think is coming, God has something better planned. And so, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to go through verses 1 through 11 today. It says this, it says, When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey there, tied there with her colt. 
untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. I dare you to try that on the street, right? (laughs) I'm going to take this because the Lord needs it. Let's see what happens. In this case, as we'll see, this took place so that it was spoken through the prophet that might be fulfilled. Let daughter Zion see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from trees and spreading them on the road as well. And then the crowds who went ahead of him And those who followed shouted, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar, saying, who who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This occasion when Jesus is showing up, the time is Passover. If you don't know the history of Passover in Exodus chapter 12, at the end of the 10th plague of of God trying to convince Pharaoh through a series of plagues and signs and wonders to release his people from slavery, we get to the the 10th plague. And at the time of the 10th plague, it's it's the, the death of the firstborn son of everyone in Egypt. God has been through nine other plagues trying to convince Pharaoh, but Pharaoh's heart has remained hard, trying to convince him to let his people go. And at this one, the time of the Passover, after 400 years of slavery, the scripture tells the people of God to to slaughter a sheep and to, to, to roast the sheep over a fire. And he's very specific, don't boil it, don't eat it raw, roast it over a fire and consume it. Divide it amongst each other if you need to. If you have a small family, take care of everybody. Make sure all are fed. But he also says that they have to be dressed for travel during this time. They have to have sandals on their feet and a staff in their hand, and they have to be ready to be in a hurry because this is the Lord's Passover. The Lord is coming. And in this time, there is a fog that will move through one evening. And when this happens, all the firstborn of Egypt will pass away, except for those who have used the blood from the sheep they have slaughtered and put it over the top of their doorway. And God will pass over them. For the people of God, this is, this is the seminal moment when God shows up and removes them from all of their slavery, that removes them from all the oppression, that removes them from the pain and the fear and removes them and frees them and brings them back to him, releases the captives and brings them back to him to be his people once more, once again. And this is a celebration that God consecrates and says, you people, you will celebrate this all throughout all time as my people do not forget do not forget what i have done for you and you begin the passover with this time of unleavened bread this time of bitter herbs and this this process of remembering remembering who your god is and what he has done for you and that's precisely the time that jesus has chosen to show up morris joseph a jewish scholar said the passover has a message For the conscience and the heart of all mankind. For what does it commemorate? Well, it commemorates the deliverance of a people from degrading slavery, from most foul and cruel tyranny. And so it is Israel's, nay, God's protest against unrighteousness 
whether individual or national. It is this sacred time that reminds us that our God is a God of justice, a God of mercy, and a God of love, even when it doesn't feel like it or seem like it all around us. The city he's chosen to come into is the city of Jerusalem, the city of David, the site of the the time when God's people were united under him, under the king's David and then his son Solomon for a time. This this time when when God's people were pulled together, where they were all his, where they were not scattered. We discussed that a couple weeks ago, the diaspora, the notion of being scattered around. They were not at this time. So Jesus has picked this time that commemorates all that God has done in the Passover. He picks this place where all of God's holy things have happened, where his most holy connection and group of people has been. In 1 Kings 2, 2 through 4, David says to Solomon while he's on his deathbed, he says, be strong and be a man and keep your obligation to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, his commands and his ordinance and his decrees. And if your sons take care to walk faithfully before me with all their heart and their soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. This is the place of God's promise, Jerusalem is. It's the place where they were last free, right? It says in verse nine of our source text today, it says, then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna means it's this plea, it's this scream to rescue us, to save us, to bring us back to you, to release us from the captivity of being in the Roman empire. They're throwing palm leaves at his feet. Is it because they knew he was the king? Or is it because they were in such pain they were hoping for deliverance? I would say it was probably some of both. It's it's this time of Passover, this place of Jerusalem, and something special about this king, Jesus Christ, showing up in this moment This king who in Matthew 20 had just healed two lame, blind men and and had been healing people for the last three and a half years. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And right after our passage today, he comes in, this new king, this king of the, the people of God goes into the temple and he clears it out and he flips over tables and he says, no, no more thieving, no more lying, no more not using my father's house for what it's supposed to be, for a place of prayer and a place of holiness and a sanctuary from the turmoil of the world. That's the king who shows up in this time and this place. And all of that makes amazing sense. Why wouldn't he show up in this time? Why wouldn't he? And then he rides in on a donkey, which in that time and place wouldn't seem very kingly. He tells us in the scripture that he, he went to get this donkey to fulfill the prophecy. Well, that prophecy is from Zechariah. It's Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10. I want you to hear this prophecy. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey, 
I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates to the ends of the earth. We see from this, this, this text in Zechariah that Jesus, this coming, the way he came was purposeful. It was meaningful, not just to fulfill a prophecy, but because of what it said about who he is and who God is. He came with a righteous intent and a righteous purpose. That's, that's not to be said of all kings, right? In 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 8, God warns the people of Israel against wanting a human king, and he lists off all these things that kings will do. They will take your land, they will take your best people, they will take your money, they will take your vineyards. They will pretty much take whatever they want and do whatever they want. And he says, no, you do not want that. You want me as your king. Because God's intentions for us and Jesus' intentions for us are not that of an earthly king because God is not a human being. He is pure and holy. And the sacrifice of his son demonstrates without a doubt he is selfless. His desire and his, his hope for us in coming to be our king isn't, isn't to, to rule over us and make life difficult it's to bring us back to the place of being his people because that's where we were meant to be. It's a return to the family of God and the ways of God and the righteousness of God. And Jesus riding in on a donkey demonstrates that. It demonstrates that Jesus, as, as a king, he requests these, these pure things, right? These pure things that are for our own good. I wonder what the disciples thought when he told them to go get a donkey, right? They're thinking probably this is it. This is the big moment. This is it. We're going to take on the king. We're going to take on the Roman Empire. We're going to take them out. We're going to take over. And Jesus says, just go into town and get a couple donkeys for me. Had to have been going, this is a strange request. I would have been going, this is a strange request. And yet it's, it's so powerful that it just says, so they went and did it. <laughs> In verse two, they just went and did it. The strange request, this weird kind of why a donkey kind of request. God has a tendency to make requests that we sometimes call foolish, Right? Those who do, who do not know the Lord, um, I've heard them many times question the value and the purpose of prayer. And yet, uh, I know two people named Reefstall right now that would tell you, or four people named Reefstall right now that would tell you that prayer is a powerful, powerful thing that changes lives. And yet, if you don't understand that, if you are not following the Lord, if you're not doing what he's asked you to do, it seems weird. It really does. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, 18, he says that it is this, this calling of the Lord, the gospel itself is foolishness to the Gentiles. And it's folly to the Jews. But, but to those who are being saved, it is the very wisdom of God. The truth is that, that Jesus, as our leader and our king, he asks us to pray. He asks us to read a 2,000-year-old book 
and treated as something special and inspired because it is, but he asks, it of, asks that of us nonetheless. He asks us to be baptized, which is innocuous, right? It's, it's, it's to take a bath or be dunked underwater, but, but because God is involved, because his righteous purpose is involved, and because he has asked us to do it, it is something far greater. Prayer's power comes from the fact that God has asked us to do it, and we are being obedient unto that. The power of a baptism is that being obedient unto God and, he, and the power of reading his book is being obedient to the words that he inspired, that he wrote, that he wanted all his people to see and understand and digest and, and know because it draws them closer to him and it draws them closer to righteousness. We also understand from Zechariah's passage that he comes in victorious, right? Remember, this was... This was the city of Jerusalem was the last time it was unified under God was here, right? Here in Jerusalem with David and Solomon as king. But it says, his dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates to the ends of the earth. He comes in ready to say, I'm ready to pull you back together. I'm ready to bring you back to me. And I'm ready to wash away all those sins and all those mistakes and all all the straying and just bring you back under one unified flag, the flag of the Lord Jesus Christ, leading you. He comes in, despite all of that, humble. I want you to stop and think about it. If you were a, a Roman king of the time, a Roman king of the time would have come in with chariots and a grand stallion leading him and armies in front of him and flags waving, right? Just this massive processional that was maybe miles long. The bigger the king or the more important they were, the more money they had, it was a status symbol for them to do that. And for Jesus, the king, to show up in this time, in this place, to free his people, to bring them together, to be victorious, to show up on a donkey, completely the opposite for a reason. (laughs) Jesus wants us to understand no matter what, he is not like anybody else. He is not some earthly person trying to take on the role of God. He is God incarnate, and he is by nature different. We often expect our God to show up in certain ways. We hope he will, right? We hope he will show up and push away all of our enemies. We hope he will just show up and get rid of all of our difficulties. And, and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't really promise that he will do that. He says he will keep you strong and allow and feed you anyways in the face of, of your enemies. David says that multiple times in the Psalms where he says, you know, he says, God, please let me eat before my enemies. That's the idea that, that even if I'm being pushed on or, or pushed against or threatened, that God is still with me, that God is still providing for me, that God will protect me, yes, but God will not necessarily keep all the storms away from me. It's important for us, especially in a time like this, to remember that. To remember that our God is faithful through the difficulty, through the affliction. He does not protect us necessarily from the affliction. That's important for us to hear clearly. See, because our our God doesn't operate the way 
we think he should all the time because fortunately for us, he's not one of us. He is the Lord and not a human being and he sees the big picture because remember what's at stake here. What's at stake here isn't this moment in time we call life. What's at stake here is eternity. And God knows that. And his desire is for us to find him and be with him for all of eternity. So I had somebody earlier this week ask me, why do we call this the triumphant entry, right? Because we know that uh, by the end of this week, um, our Savior is going to be, have been beaten, uh, betrayed, mocked, and hung on a cross, buried. Why would we call it a triumph? We call it a triumph because he's also going to be resurrected from the dead. And he's going to bring eternal life to those who follow him. That is why we call it a triumph. It is not simply about the moment or the day. It is about all of eternity. And, and, and I think we need to do that right now. We need to keep all of eternity in mind. And we've, been, we've been asked by our government for very good reason to, to limit our contact with one another for a moment. And that's totally understandable. But I hope I would have the courage, and, and the rest of us would too, that if we see somebody on the side of the road who's hurting, we were talking about this before, <laughs> if we see somebody on the side of the road who's hurting or somebody who's starving or somebody who's in trouble, um, that we would have the courage to do something about it or to help. Because we are the people of God whose king rides in on a donkey, whose king humbles himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, because he loves us. Lord God is amazing and incredible, and I don't know what just happened to the lights, do you? Okay. What a wonderful God we serve. And if we are to be his people in a difficult time like this, let us remember that he has won the victory for us. This week, if you guys want to come back up, you can. This week, um, I want to encourage you to join us in a, in a Bible study that we're doing all week long. You can do it through the Version app. If you go to our website, there's a button that says Life Point Holy Week Devotional. If you click that... It will take you right to it, and you can study with all of us as we go through this day by day, as we walk through this holy week of our Lord triumphing over death, triumphing over the powers that be, triumphing over anything and everything that would have tried to stop him from being our Savior. We pray that you will join us in doing that. I hope you will. You can also go to our website if you're looking for things for kids to do. There's something called Go Minnow. It's the makers of, of VeggieTales. Um, and what's in the Bible, they're doing a free series, an Easter series. It's one five-minute video every day. 
great for you to sit down and enjoy with your family. I'll tell you the truth, I'm probably going to sit down and do it too because <laughs> I kind of like them. We pray that you will do that. We pray that you will join us for our Good Friday service. And before they sing a last song, I just want to talk about that for just a split second. This Good Friday, we had planned on the calendar to do threefold communion. Um, we can't do that in a traditional sense because we can't be together. Okay? But we're going to do it anyways. Our encouragement is that you will join us on Friday at 7 o'clock, that you will already have bread and juice. We hope it's great, but if it's not great, hey, it'll be okay. God will understand, right? God will understand. And a wash basin and some towels, and we hope that you will be sitting in your home being a blessing unto one another as we are a blessing unto each other. We pray that you will join us for that time. Will it be weird? It will definitely be different. But if God's present and his people are present, isn't that all we need? Mm. Even so come, Lord Jesus, come. You know, um, we talked a little bit today about the victory that comes through knowing Jesus Christ and comes through the sacrifice that he made for us, this, this triumph over death, this triumph over sin. And I think that I would be remiss not to say if you have not yet made that commitment to the Lord, if you have not chosen to follow him, we would love to offer you that opportunity to do so right now. Again, we have people waiting to talk to you to say, hey, I, I want to know more about who our Jesus is. I want to commit myself to who Jesus is. I want to I follow him. I want to be part of his family and his kingdom for all of eternity. This is a good time. Why? Because now is a good time, whenever now is, right? Yeah. Choosing to follow the Lord is a decision you will never regret making because our Lord is eternal. Our Lord is gracious. Our Lord is loving. Our Lord will never forsake you. He will never leave you. And he will always watch out for you. We want you to have that victory too. I also want to say before I close this in prayer that uh, it, our prayer partners are going to continue to be available for the next several minutes. If you miss the announcements running at the beginning, if you'll stay after it's over um, or after I say this prayer, uh, you'll be able to watch some of our announcements, some of more information on the Bible studies and some different other things that we're trying to do to engage, to, to remind you that we love you and to uh, help you grow in your faith in the Lord. So if you want to go through that you can there'll also be some music from the underneath underneath it's called the uh it's from the brethren worship and song album volume one mm. it's actually pretty good i was impressed so you can listen to that too if you wanted to know where that is you can find that anywhere too so i'm going to close us in prayer and uh my ultimate prayer is that you will come to know our lord and savior jesus christ let's close father god we are thankful for having had this opportunity to be here together this opportunity to worship you, to lift up your name in song and in word. And I pray that we will have the courage in the coming weeks to lift up your name in deed as well. Lord, we are mindful in this moment in time that it is you who holds ultimate victory no matter what's pressing in against us right now. That it's you who will guide us and you who will walk with us and you who have promised to live eternity with us. Lord, we are mindful of those who are sick among us. 
we are mindful of the, the difficulty of the times. It can lead to depression and, and just a sense of listlessness and loss. And uh, I pray that we will reach out to one another, that we will seek opportunities, that we will hear and listen for your whispering in our ears to reach out to each other and to reach out to you. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open to your word and your desires for us in our lives. I pray that you will continue to be our strength. And I pray that those who do not yet know you will come to you now. Thank you, Lord, for your strength, for your mercy, for your grace, and for the triumph of your son. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. God bless.